Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guest today is Maximilian Missoni, head of design at Polestar. I'm sitting here in our podcast studio in the Helio co-working space in Stockholm. It's a new year, and with a few episodes in, I thought I'd share some thoughts about our approach to podcasting. We consider podcasting one of our primary channels, where we'll be able to go in-depth on some of our most important topics, events, and personalities. As you've noticed by now, we've spent the majority of our first episodes reposting some of the panel talks from our first major event, the Transformation Conference. We've also done a few episodes discussing some of our own projects, such as our first report, The New Sustainable Consumer, and our photo exhibition currently on display at Blick by Nobis in Stockholm. This will continue. I think podcasting is a great medium to allow our audience to get a little bit behind the scenes of our business. It's also a great way to consume the conversations from our live events. But we will of course also allow this to be a format for long-form interviews with some of the leading minds within lifestyle and technology. And what better way to start this interview series than with Maximilian Missoni, head of design at Polestar. Few Scandinavian companies work this close in the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Polestar is a brand that seeks to reinvent how we move around using both design, technology and a strong focus on sustainability in their approach. They've also taken a lead in transparency, publishing a sustainability report last year that gave a brutally honest look at their own carbon footprint, encouraging other EV makers to do the same. In this interview, we talk about how Maximilian takes inspiration from the world of fashion and technical clothing when creating their latest concept car, the Precept. I had a lot of fun talking to Maximilian, who did the interview from his home on the west coast of Sweden. I think he's an inspiration for anyone working with design, sustainability, and creating lifestyle products that people really want to use. But before we start, I want to encourage you to follow our newsletter to get the latest insights, news, and invites to our upcoming events. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement. Here now, my conversation with Maximilian Missoni, head of design at Polestar. I am here with uh, Maximilian Missoni, head of design at Polestar. Uh, how are you, Maximilian? Hi, Conrad. I'm fine. I'm good. And you? I'm I'm very excited about. Uh, doing this interview with you. I've been looking forward to it for a, a long time and uh, uh, following the, the, the trajectory of Polestar. But but I wanted to start in a very current uh, situation here. Just a, f- a few days ago before this recording, you you were part of a fashion collection launch uh, that was quite unusual with the, the fashion house of Balenciaga, where you actually launched a few sort of innovative... Uh, uh, models of Polestar in a video game. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how, how this all came up and what was it like to design these vehicles? Yeah, well, that, that was such an interesting, uh, such an interesting uh, process, the whole thing, because I think I have to start with, with our Polestar design community. We, 
started um, an Instagram account that is called Postar Design Community. And the idea was that um, we would, one of our managers, and he's really passionate about about uh, the brand Postar and about design and about Instagram and all this coming together, we thought we just post some um, designs and ideas and new new um, material that we we um, publish on the Postar side and also quite personal personal content rather than the organic feed by Postar itself. It's something at the side which gives us designers a bit more chance to communicate directly with with other designers. And what happened is that there were so many uh, designer students and even professionals who do it from other fields, from fashion, from from uh, product design, who were just so excited about our story and, and the whole post-star idea that they started picking up our design language and proposed their own ideas on the community and came up with fantastic designs. So we decided to do a, a competition at some point and that's going to be an annual thing with a, with a big mm. exhibition. And I think that one then uh, found so much uh, uh, interest in media that Balenciaga saw that and they realized probably like, look, we have this super cool video game that we, um, we want to promote our fashion and have our fashion showing, but we don't really have the appropriate vehicles. And that's when they approached our community and said, look, don't you have can't we use some of these uh, cool car designs and that's how the whole thing started i think it's such a great example of of uh, kind of a visual example of the transformation that uh, both these industries are are in right now uh you know me my background is as fashion as you know and and uh, you, it seems to me like polestar uh and and i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this i'd like to follow your journey in a way as a, as a designer when arriving at at uh, at this job talking about uh, the transformation to electric mobility what were some of the um questions or challenges that uh, uh, you were given when you started the job i mean the transition to electric mobility has been very um well first of all it's happened for a long time and it's been quite smooth so the industry has gradually migrated towards electrification be it through plug-in hybrids and then now obviously full electric so i couldn't say that this is an assignment or such like so now you go and do electric cars it's more like um how do we transition ourselves to this obviously um in my opinion better form of uh, propulsion and what does that mean for cars and what does it also mean and that's the interesting part it doesn't stop with the product it goes it goes in 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 the user experience completely around the product because once you have an electric powertrain once you have so much power when it's when it's standing still you can do all sorts of other things with electric cars and then there comes uh, the um different ways of usership i mean there's all the the um business models around electrification and all of this is unfolding now as we speak and as we work with it. And I think we all just, you know, dove into this. And it wasn't really this, for me at least, it wasn't really this cut. Um, of course, with my assignment as head of design for Polestar, it's clear that we are going to focus fully on electrification with the brand going forward. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 how it happened for us. So, so 
in, in doing this uh, with with the Polestar brand, what what were some of your first steps as a designer? What what were some of the first things you had to tackle on your job? Well, we we the Polestar brand was a unique opportunity for all of us um, because it's born out of Volvo, the Volvo car group, and right. that allows us to really focus on the brand and taking the design further and analyzing society and, and current needs and what is changing. And I think, as you said before, what we're doing with the community, what we're doing with, with Balenciaga, and these things are an expression of how fast and how, how uh, sustainably everything is changing and we will not go back. Um, and this is a big focus for the Polestar brand. We have, however, Volvo car group in the background and that's that's amazing because these guys obviously have a hundred years nearly a hundred years of experience in safety and engineering quality so this is something um, bringing these two things together I think gives us an edge over let's say other startups who have to first scramble to get all the basics in place so we we have that legacy without actually um, um or having we have that freedom without actually having to um uh, focus too much on getting the basics right. So the basics are a part of our package. So you, so you have the basics. You have the sort of heritage of Volvo uh, as a foundation of of your work. But it seems to me like you really have your eyes set on the horizon, on the future, and and the developments in, in electric mobility. And and uh, prior to this interview, I was I was uh, I sent a a talk that you did about the three major t disruptions uh, facing the, the automotive industry. Can you talk a little bit about those uh, disruptions, what they are, and perhaps we can go into each and every one of them? Yeah, this, this is my personal view, but I think it's, it's quite commonly understood that we have, well, we have now, we're in the middle of electrification, the shift towards electrification, as we can see, it's getting more and more um, serious. There are countries, you know, clearly stating that there will be bans for for combustion vehicles by a certain point in time not so far future actually and um, so that's the first big one um, and i think as i said thinking that this is just a shift in propulsion is probably a little bit uh short because it will entail uh the possibility of new business models and the second one um is then autonomous drive it's been talked about a lot lately and i think Everybody thought this is going to be like a flip of a switch and it's going to, it's going to work. But we all knew inside the industry um, that, you know, there are these um, cases on the, on, the, on the, you know, periphery of the actual core, driving along a highway at a certain speed, a constant speed, and it's a, it's a closed lane. I think that is, that is the easy part. But then when it gets extremely complex with weather com conditions and in, in inner cities and so on, these cases then take a lot of um, uh, a lot of um, learning and a lot of testing in order to get them right because this is an important topic. But still, um, I'm convinced this will happen. And again, you can see this only as propelling a car itself without having to drive it. So giving the driver back some time to to do something else. Uh, extreme cases being uh, you know reading or sleeping, but what it what goes way beyond this is if you take the steering wheel away and you have literally no way to to uh, interfere with the car and then 
again, then you will not have to drive it yourself, or rather, you don't have to own the vehicle anymore. So there are all these hailing um, scenarios, and that opens up a lot of possibilities for designers. And we have, uh, before I joined Polestar, we worked on, on a um, concept called 360C, which was exactly that vision from, a, from Volvo's point of view. Mm. Which is um, um, which went that far that you could uh, sleep in the vehicle overnight. So you would uh, step into the vehicle in the evening, uh, you know, program your destination, and the vehicle would take you through the night. So you would be able to um, replace short haul flights. And again, as I said, that really opens up a completely new field for the car industry. And for us designers, it it makes us rethink everything. And that's why I call it disruption because. With electrification, you're still if you're still in control as the driver, there will be some changes in the proportion. We can give some space back on the interior of the cars. We can, you know, um, extend the wheelbases because we have a big battery pack that we have to um, accommodate for. That gives us probably better interior spaces in the future. Um, and with that, we can do a lot. But once we don't, we're not confined to the legal constraints that driving brings with it. Uh, you know, vision lines, um, you know, all of these things. There's so, so many, and they're even specific for different markets. So if you overlap them, it's it's even more complex. And if right. we take all these away, meaning the driver is not in control anymore, then we can talk, but then we can suddenly change the shape of the car um, to a much greater extent. And that's where design comes in. Then we have to define that archetype. What is it? And why does it look like it looks? And this was something... We wrapped our head around in the 360C concept for Volvo. So, in talking about these disrupt these disruptions and and sort of uh, where we are in the timeline, it seems to me that we're we're sort of at at stage one in a way. We we, we just started this this transformation. Would you agree? I think the car industry and mobility just started. Everybody has now understood that electrification is here to stay. So that is definitely stage one, and Polestar is very much embedded into this into this first stage. And then stage two, we are all working on, which is um, uh, autonomous drive. And then stage three, that was the third disruption, and that was something I think we all were so focused on uh, stage one and two, um, electrification and autonomous drive, that stage three, more or less for many, came as a surprise which is um, circularity or, or sustainability to an extreme extent. And I see mm. this more and more in, uh, in similar industry to ours, when you look at fashion, when you look at um, product design, when you even look at, boat, at, the boat, at the boat industry there. And these are such luxury products. And still, there's so many companies that are so keen now to communicate their approach towards sustainability and how they're really focusing on getting as close to circularity as possible. And and that's, I think this will be a prerequisite. This will not just be a nice to have. It will determine if a company is um, has integrity or not. So how would you say that sustainability becomes uh, an end goal, you know, when you're going through these first two disruptions? I'm really curious about that because the approach seems to be that innovation, both in design and technology, will ultimately lead to um, better uh, uh, 
sustainability or or better uh, preconditions to achieve circularity or sustainability how do you how do you approach there yeah that's that's interesting that you say that because i don't really get that feeling but that's probably because i'm inside i don't think anything mm. leads to anything it really needs people to steer it into a certain direction because there's so many forces that push and pull when it's about creating a product in, in, in the uh, process of product creation and um, that you have to always make conscious decision at every step of the way do we want to go this way or do we want to go that way and that they could be totally opposites or conflicting like cost and sustainability or uh, function and autonomy i mean th these things could be um opposites so you really have to and that's that's the big thing i experience at every step of the way and interestingly it starts very much at design which is normally the first step and at the inception of a of a, of a of a product you have to make these decisions so it's not a given that when you are going ahead into the future that, that our products will naturally be more sustainable i think this is actually quite um quite a challenging process we have we have um disclosed our life cycle assessment for mm. Polestar 2. And that was a very controversial and very interesting thing to do. Um, because, because yes, we all believe in electrification and we know that electrification is the right way because obviously there are no emissions once the car is in, in, in use. And um, over a lifetime, that is the way better um, balance in terms of CO2. But um, we also have to be open and honest about the first part of, of the process, which the customers normally don't have anything to do with, but the companies do. And that's when you source the raw materials, when you transport them to the factories, when you, how do you power the factories, how do you, wh where do you get your raw materials from, um, how do you produce the batteries, and all of this. And there is a certain amount of CO2 emissions in that process. And this is... The process we really need to look at and we are looking at as an industry now but i think nobody has been so transparent about um these figures as polestar has and this is a call to action for everybody and say look we we know that we're doing the right thing but we should all together work on improving the status quo and that only works if we're transparent and if we get the buy-in from everybody and if we also can um motivate other companies and also importantly the suppliers to join us on that journey right so so just uh, there's so much to unpack there uh which <laughs> uh but just to be clear this you release poster released a report uh a few weeks or, or a couple of months back uh sort of disclosing the whole um being very transparent about the way the impact that your production has on on uh, on the planet yeah, it kind of, uh, it kind of compares the life cycle assessment of CO two. When and where does is CO two created in the in the process of a product from from being built, from being sourced, being built, and being used? And it compares that to a combustion engine car. It was within the group, so um, a Volvo XC forty was used. So it compares to similar cars, one full electric car and one full combustion car. And it compares where the CO2 emissions happen, and that shows clearly that um, the the electric cars um, start off slightly worse in the production process because of the batteries mostly, and during their lifetime they totally recuperate and even 
and we improve that figure to be to be much better in the end overall. But still, there is this this part of the journey before they go to the customers where we really can improve and will improve. But it, it's interesting that you 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 mentioned this is a call to action for for anybody working and that there's a, such a complex process. I, I can't even imagine you know putting together a car, just the design and engineering of it, and then as you mentioned the the sort of legalities of different markets and to be able to to wrap that up into one single product that you're able to 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 sell. That's that's amazing to me. Uh, but I'm this. <laughs> This call to action, and this seems to me uh, to be the the kind of the unique approach that Polestar has, both in terms of you know you having this long term perspective, looking into the future at new business models, uh, you know autonomous cars, uh, you know what will happen, and and not just think where are we right now, but I'm, I would imagine this this is part of informing. Um, your all your coworkers and all your all the people that are involved in the process. So it's it's almost like you're creating this value system that we are going in this direction, and uh, this is the, this is the reasons uh, that we are 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 doing that. I should probably uh, before I forget now because that's a very interesting point you're making there. Um, and I have to say, to be fair, the whole industry is on a on a on a similar trajectory. I mean, everybody is looking into the change um, everybody is trying to understand where we're going um, everybody is also i wouldn't say everybody because it depends of course what what where your focus is as a company but i can clearly talk about volvo um, you know post and volvo are very close obviously so volvo of course as well is extremely interested in um, in uh, sustainability and as you know in autonomous drive and in electrification so i mean these things we definitely have in common what is quite interesting though is and that's what I'm really experiencing now, um, you know, in, in my roles uh, for Volvo and for, for Polestar. Um, when you are, when you have the, the privilege of being a completely new brand that does not have legacy customers, that does not have legacy markets, that have their ways of doing things, it is, um, I would say it's A, easier and B, also our obligation to really do things differently and, and be the test bed and try things um, that we are convinced of um, in a more nimble and and um, more more distilled, more precise way. And I think that's what you're feeling and that's what you're saying that Polestar is doing that. I mean, the industry as a whole knows that these are the challenges that, are, that we are facing, but Polestar, I think we're doing quite a good job in, in pinpointing these topics and really going in with ideas and, and solutions. Maybe I, I could mention Precept, uh, our concept card from earlier this year. Please, please do. I was going to get to that. That's a great example. Yeah, because that fits in there. Uh, this car, it's a you know, it's a it's a very large GT electric performance car. So it's a four seater with uh, with with ample power and a beautiful sculpture. But what what is so interesting about this car is that we really looked at. Um, sustainability and combining sustainability with, with performance and with luxury or premium, if you will. And that's interesting because when you look at premium, the first things that pop into your head are, okay, leather, chrome, wood, uh, 
deco and, and all these classical things. And when you really take them apart, you go like, hold on, where does this come from that we put wood into a car? It's like, you know, why? And and then you think back and you go, like, okay, that was probably 19... Pardon? I'm saying it, that's almost from the old horse horse carriage days to have wood in the, well, exactly. the carriage. I mean, it's, it's when you when you think then you think it's probably 1912 or something. The, the first it started back from then. Yeah. And uh, these these things just became tradition, and they became a learned paradigm that we are working with. And it would be easy as a new brand to go and take these paradigms and apply them to our products to make sure that the products are being accepted by the same kind of people that we know uh, are looking for these products. Um, but what we did with Precept is we looked into new materials, sustainable materials, and obviously by looking at them, we found out that they require different um, methods of being, um, of being turned into a, a, a finished product. And instead of trying to force um, these methods into submission and say, okay, we want to hide the fact that they're made that way. We said, okay, how can we work with these things and how can these things inspire a new design language? And it's, it's, a, it's a journey. I mean, it was exciting because it could be that they, that they don't, that it works, but it looks cheap. But what we found out is that we can create a new sense of premium, uh, a totally new set of rules for aesthetics, which I think the preset shows very well that you will hardly find or you won't find any traditional ways of, of, of traditional paradigms, um, but it still looks like a very premium product. I think this is one of the most, absolutely mo the most interesting things is to create luxury out of a new paradigm. And I think I'm sure you're looking into this as well, but if we look at the new uh, generations coming out and that will be uh, consumers in the future, the, the millennials and Gen Z, they are all looking at sustainable alternatives. Yes. So can you give some examples on how this uh, sort of new sustainable materials made it into uh, the precept car in terms of just any example of perhaps a textile or, or a metal or something that, 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 you, you sourced from a sustainable uh, approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have some examples, and, and not only in, in Preset, but also in Posta too, our current production car. Now, I will come to this. The, the, um, so for the Preset, there, there are two things that are, for me, probably the most exciting. And one is the interior upholstery um, of the Preset um, is a 3D knitting material. So that's from recycled uh, PET bottles. And mm. It's a, it's a yarn that's from these PT bottles. And what's so cool about it is that um, we looked at the um, um, sportswear industry or, or, or sneakers in this case, shoes, and they use 3D knitting for quite a while now. And the exciting thing about 3D knitting is that you can knit it into shape so you don't have any offcuts. So if you use a textile or a leather, you always get it in, in rolls and then you, um, you, know, you cut it into shape and then you upholster a seat or you, you make a shoe. And there is waste from that. So the, the good thing here is that um, the good thing here is that you can use technology to reduce waste and, of course, to input a recycled material. And but that leaves you with a certain aesthetic, and that aesthetic we know from from three D knitted sneakers. And the question was, can we um, apply this aesthetic to a car interior? 
and make it look absolutely premium, absolutely luxurious. And I think the way we did this with Precept by combining it, by A, using it and using its 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 um, special properties, like being able to use graphics on it and um, working with patterns and combining that with materials like recycled aluminium and, and bio-vinyl, like vinyl from, from, from cork, uh, in this case, from uh, cork waste. Um, I think it became a, a very interesting new, new aesthetics. So, so that's one example. And the second example is B-Comp, uh, quite, quite an interesting material as well. It's a flux-based composite. So flux is the material that you use to make uh, linen garments, for example. And it's in itself, obviously, as, as you can imagine, since it's used for garments, it's a very soft, smooth material. But when you put it into a composite and just use the flux for the structure, for the, for the, um, for the forces, to, 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 to cope with the forces, it actually gets close to carbon fiber. And we know that carbon fiber is a material used in, in the racing and in the car industry a lot. It's, it's extremely light and extremely durable, extremely strong, but it's not the most sustainable. And if you replace carbon with flux, then you get similar properties. It might be slightly heavier and it might be not as stiff, but it's very close, but it's using uh, flux fiber. And, and flux is a, is a crop that is also very interesting because it's used to revitalize uh, fields between different types of crops. So it's a very good crop for, for, for the soil. Um, and there we did, we did a lot of uh, experiments with where this material can be applied. And we have it uh, very extensively used in the interior and even in the exterior as well. I'm, I'm super fascinated by this method of, of sort of investing a lot of, of time and energy into research and development and, and designing these sort of uh, um, uh, really cutting edge cars. How, how do you go about then, you know, because I assume you're, you're doing that and then you're pulling uh, methods and materials and stuff and, and putting it back into cars that are perhaps the, the ones that are sold right now and sort of the, the, the ones so you can get some volume and scale to it. How, how does that process work? This is the, that's the actual hard part of the process. And this is why we need concept cars like the Precept because we don't only uh, communicate to our potential customers outside and say, look, this is our vision for the future. We also use that to, com to communicate A, internally to, to research and development um, by visualizing uh, in, in the form of prototypes what we want, what we mean, and to the suppliers, because suppliers, obviously, they monitor the market very much. And if they see, okay, there's more and more of these ideas popping up, and they're all working with these sustainable materials, and they're actually finding ways to aesthetically, you know, turning them into something extremely appealing, extremely uh, luxurious, then the, the incentive is higher, and the, the momentum is there to actually go and go through the whole process of, of developing these materials for production. Because, I mean, let's face it, these things are, um, uh, especially in the car industry, very complicated to translate because you have extreme temperature drops and, 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 and you know, uh, differences is a massive amplitude, you know, minus 42 plus 80. I mean, these are extreme temperatures. You have UV um, uh, radiation a lot. So, so you get, and that's just two examples. There's so many uh, abrasion, you know, daily use. There's so many things that these materials have to 
um, fulfilled as properties, that this is a long way to get these things then really into production. And that's where we need um, all the support we can get. And normally, that is connected to a, to a certain price premium as well. If you start with a material that is very niche and very new, and um, it's normally more expensive than if you use a material that's been around and that exists in abundance, it's maybe less and is maybe less um, sustainable. And that's where it gets interesting. And this is why we need to do this all together. And this is why it's also important to disclose all these figures and say, let's be transparent because we can't do this as Polestar or as, as Volvo a group alone. We need everybody to join in. It's, it's very similar mm -hmm. to, to electrification. Right. When you are looking at the consumer's sort of attitude towards sustainability uh, when it comes to the, the car sector and the mobility sector, uh, do you see any specific changes uh, that's, that, that's interesting or is it more like a general uh, shift that, that we need to go sustainable? I think what we see is the general shift and I think we see it much stronger in, let's say, somewhat less complex products because A, the supply is, is greater because it, it's an easier step towards these things in the car industry. As you said before, everything is extremely complex and it takes years until things are developed to the degree of, of um, you know, perfection or quality that people expect. Uh, and these products have to be in the market for a long period of time. So we, we see these things happening quite quickly now. As I said, you know, in fashion, in the sportswear industry, in, in certain products, and there's different approaches to that. It's not only replacing materials that are more harmful with better materials, more sustainable materials. It's also looking at reduction of, of parts. And, you know, it's one thing to engineer things to be, to, to, to function well, but sometimes we are too complicated, too complex with our products. So combining functions or com combining different parts into one part, um, you know, we see that in, in, in the furniture industry, how you can simplify the product that will not only, of course, we're using more sustainable materials is one thing, but using less of everything is also a good thing, especially when right. looking at industries that are cranking out or millions of pieces. This is, this is what we have to be aware of. Maximilian, we're going to wrap up soon, but I'm just curious about a little bit about your own uh, trajectory here. I mean, you, you are not from Sweden, but you've been in Sweden now for, for almost a decade. Uh, is there anything you've learned about the sort of Nordic approach or, or that you specifically like about the Nordic approach that, that you can mention here? Uh, when after working for Volvo and Polestar? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I come from, well, I would say quite central Europe from Austria, and uh, my name implies that I have Italian roots. But I think in my heart, I've always been a little bit more Nordic. Um, at least that's what my friends say. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> more, more Nordic than Italian as a, as a type. Um, but what, I, what really struck me when I came here um, um, is, and I really have to say, I really like and appreciate that is the sense of integrity that I see here, um, which is you, you know, we know what it stands for, and it's it's a it's a strong word because it it means a lot and entails a lot. But I I experience this on a daily basis, and I experience this as well in my workplace that you do the right things. You really 
keen to do the right things and it's more of a natural thing and that's a quality within a society that i find um extremely impressive and and it's it's a very cautious uh, sorry a very precious um good i mean this is something that obviously took a long time i assume to get society to this point to to be able to act in the right way this is probably one of the reasons why sweden is so much on the forefront when it comes or scandinavia when it comes to sustainability and these things because everybody knows in their hearts that this is the right thing to do and uh, yeah that's that's great great to hear so as a designer uh even just where you are right now i'm just curious because i'm sure you're you're think, both thinking about the 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 current issues of of development but also the future what are you most excited about uh right now i'm most excited about the uh, the transformation of not only the industry that i'm in or that we are in but also my our our own jobs because in the past design it was a bit of a one directional thing uh, there were new technologies that popped up and there was a need to insert them or get them into society and sometimes it was questionable if this technology would really add value to society but there was always design who could you know that i'm talking now in the past uh, 50s and 60s and so on you could then um, a good example is maybe the cars with with wings you know the tail fins uh, there was something mm. happening in 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 technology in another a- area like we're flying to the moon and then we're using design to turn cars into spaceships and we're selling this to people so they get a part of this uh, of this innovation and that was kind of a very superficial use of of the the the, the creative and 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 innovative power of a designer but Nowadays, because we are in these three disruptions, I feel very strongly that it's a totally different mm, and, uh, approach to design. It is like design is understood as the the is 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 the creation of a product, and it starts with it starts with the user needs. It starts with the with with uh, user experience. What do people want? What will they want in a couple of years? And why will they want it? Where are we in society? What are the trends? And in order to make the right products, you need designers to distill all this uh, knowledge and also a lot of intuition um, into ideas. Well, I'm sure that must feel like a great responsibility. Uh, Maximilian Missoni, head of design at Polestar, thank you so much for for speaking to me and, and sharing your thoughts today. Thanks for having me, Conrad. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.